Tom Panos, John McGrath, it is Easter. Guys and girls, we have got a three or four day break. But John, the Saturday that went by, that was the super Saturday of Saturdays. So many auctions booked in Sydney and Melbourne. This market, it is unbelievable. I mean, have you ever seen a market where now stock levels are starting to grow and the buyer appetite is growing? Normally, you know, it's it's either an absorption rate towards the buyer or seller. These are good times. Yeah, I think it's amazing, Tom, at the minute. And, uh, you know, auction prices are just going crazy. But it's funny, it wasn't that long ago. And I think I remember watching one of your real estate gym talks you were giving. <clears throat> and uh, you talked about the media. I think it was the Commonwealth Bank said market could drop 32%. And the Sydney Morning Herald said that, you know, we could have 100 to 150,000 COVID deaths in Australia. Um, now, of course, thankfully, uh, neither of those two things happened. In fact, you know, Unfortunately, we did have some deaths, but not a large number compared to the uh, prognosis. Uh, and, of course, the, the market didn't go down 32%. The market's probably up 20% in most markets that are listening in on this. So yeah, it's just a reminder, uh, you got you got to be careful what you put into your brain, into the media and where you get your information from because it's quite possible that someone could have you know, read those two bits of those articles and felt pretty depressed and gone into a cave. So, yeah, I think yeah. it's... Uh, it's a super duper market, and uh, you know some wonderful results. In fact, I, I'd love to just tell you about a couple because you know one of my great privileges in my role at McGrath is I get to travel around and see the agents, coach the agents, and and you know to be quite honest, half the agents I'm coaching, I'm learning more than them. And there's a couple of little insights I thought I'd share with our listeners because uh, they, they were kind of this week. They, I think they're relevant. The first one was Con, you know, Con Stathopoulos, who's yes. a fellow Greek and a wonderful, yes. wonderful friend of both ours. Anyway, Con, Con gave a little presentation and we mentioned our Adelaide trip last week. And and he was telling the story because, and I'd like forgotten for a moment, but when he set up the new office, he took over, he went from head office corporate, he went to franchisee, our office. Um, we hadn't done a great job in, in growing our office out there, to be very frank. It was doing a bit over a million dollars, which was underwhelming and, and well below its potential. But Con sat down with me. He took me to lunch at, at uh, Homebush one day and he said, Jay, you know, I want you to help me. I want you to coach me and, you know, sort of hold me accountable. I said, sure, what are your goals? He said, well, I reckon I can build this from $1 million to $5 million in the next three to five years. And I looked at him and I said, the number is absolute, not a problem. But I said, the time frame worries me. And he looked at me, why? And I said, well, you, can, you could probably do that in six months. Now, I'd kind of, that, that is my approach to most things is how can we do it simpler and faster but i remember listening to peter seal who's a legendary investor and and he said when he's coaching his businesses that he invests in he says what are our five-year goals and what would it take to achieve them in six months so it was kind of had that ringing in the back of my mind and then you know as we now know and you, you know and i know but most listeners wouldn't but con's business is on track to do over six million after six months and, and he, when he looked at me, I remember I said, well, Con, you know, back of the bus ticket, you probably need eight or nine recruits to get to, to $5 million on top of your existing team. So I said, if you can get your existing team up by 20%, and I said, with your great energy and expertise, I'm sure that can happen. Then I said, if you bring in, you know, another six, seven, eight people. So he just hit the phone, started recruiting, started coaching, go to meetings, and all of a sudden we blinked and seven months into his ownership and he's at $6 million. So anyway, I, I would challenge mm -hmm. everyone to think bigger and think shorter timeframes because I actually think both the bigger dream and the shorter timeframe make it easier, not harder. 
you know, it makes you focus, it sharpens the saw. Con got on the phone the next day like a demon. And anyway, the rest is history. So that was good. Second one is, and I think I sent I sent it to you and Susan. Um, it, I had the pleasure of interviewing both Mike Dowling and Alex Jordan. Alex, I said, when you joined us, you were doing three hundred thousand GCI, and half a dozen year later, half a dozen years later, you're doing about six million, five and a half to six anyway this year. And I said, did you have the belief in the early days? And he said to me. You know, I've got to be honest, John. He said, when I was at 300 and you said, you know, I saw in him a million-dollar agent, and, and I said, I think you could do a million. He said, I didn't really believe it, but I was excited about it. And then he said, when I got to a million and you said, well, how do we get to two and so on and so forth. So he said, I don't think I've ever 100% believed the next level was going to happen. But he said, I do have – he used this great phrase. I never heard it before. He said, I have process belief. He said, I believe if I need to achieve a goal – there is a process, and if I adopt the process with passion and, and purpose, I will achieve it. So I just thought that was really interesting that even if even great people that achieve incredible results often have a little bit of a niggling doubt about, oh, can I, could I get to a million? Could I get to two million? Could I double my business? And he had that, and he's, and he's had it all the way along, and now we're talking about $10 million business. And, and he says again, he said, look, I probably am more confident about getting to 10 than I was to getting to one, to be quite frank. But he said, I've still got the doubt, but he said, I still have the belief in the process. So, so I, I thought that was interesting. The last one was Mike Dowling and I just loved it. Mike's gone from 1 million to about four and a half million. He might even do five this year and that's two years, two years time. So he's yeah. four to five X in two years. Has the market helped a little bit? For sure, it's helped everyone, but it might be twenty percent. But he's up four to five hundred percent. Anyway, he, he was saying to me, he remembers sitting in a room about four years ago when Kieran Bresnahan, our dear friend, mutual friend, was doing a scripts and dialogue session. We had him in front of the audience, and we were, I was asking him questions. I said, "What do you do in a lounge room? And you know, how do you close deals? And how do you get offers? And how do you manage expectations?" And he said. He sat there and the light globe went on. He was doing in those days sort of, you know, probably 800 to a million. And he said, the light globe went on. And he said, I saw a master at dialogue and question asking. And I'd heard about questions-based listing, but he said, I'd never embrace it. And he said, Kieran was the best person he'd ever heard in his life. So we fortunately, we'd recorded it. And he went and got a recording and he watched it and he took notes. And he said, that was, you know, and I think maybe the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the one thing, Gary Keller, but... He said, I, he, for him, he found the one thing was he found words that would achieve the outcome that he wanted. All he had to do was learn the words. So, yeah, you know, they were just three things. They all happened to have sort of those three conversations all happened in the last 10 days. So I thought I'd just share it with all of our listeners. So he's an, he, he's an absolute genius with words, John, because I remember having him on the real estate gym many years ago and um, – you know, I looked at him. He's a big, stocky guy and, you know, um, ex-butcher off the top of my head, isn't he, John? Yeah, um, butcher from Germany. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then he's, he's he's I mean, I wouldn't even call them strict, strict, strict scripts and dialogues. I'd call them a, an authentic conversation mm-hmm. that he sort of just led. I think, I mean, I think the role play, we did a number of role plays and the role play was, hey, we're not getting our price. It's a vendor. We're not getting our price. Um, so um, we're not going to, we're not going to sell. And he then just really casually and seamlessly sort of says, no problems. You know, I'm just curious, like, uh, and if you don't sell it, you you know, you're going to hang on to it. And I'm just curious, what are you going to do with your, 
with 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 life moving forward, right? And yeah. he and then I said, oh well, we'll wait till you know prices sort of go up, and once we get our price, and he goes, yeah, okay, that sort of makes sense. You'll get a higher price, and when you sell it, where will you go? And I said, I'll go to a you know another area, and he goes, but do do, do have you thought about the fact that this other area might go up in price as well? Right. Oh. <laughs> um, so it was just right. He was just very, very, very good. In fact, um, I've got to say, at the end of it, I was actually thinking I was actually really not in a role play. I was going to sign something with the guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're right. right. It's very natural, even, even though you know there is a bit of structure. You know, for those that have listened to him, it it it, it doesn't sound like just a chit chat at the cafe. He's got a bit of structure, but it's thoughtful. There's pausing. There's uh, just plain language. It's not tricky. Um, it's just a really good good outcome. So it was just nice because if someone's sitting there and they say, how on earth did that Dowling character go from a million to four to five? Well, he sat in a seminar and the one thing that he said took him there the fastest was, like Globe goes on, here's a guy that's got amazing scripts and dialogues. His were okay, but nowhere at the level of, and I know we're going to be talking about amateurs and professionals today, and Kieran is the ultimate professional when it comes to a listing presentation. And, and he just said, okay, well, I went home, I listened and I recorded and I repeated and I practiced, and now all of a sudden one thing that changed his life. So I thought it was worth listening to. But, uh, you know, amateurs, professionals, big difference. Okay, so what we're going to do, John, is you've got me so intrigued because I did read the book or I skimmed through it, The One Thing by Gary mm. Keller. I'd love next week to do a podcast on The One Thing. I'd like you to sort of talk about what yeah. the book's about, the concept, and maybe talk about a few one things that we've seen that have had a profound impact in people's lives and business. So we might do that next week, The One Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this week, John, the podcast is professionals versus amateurs, you know, the fact that pros do think different things to amateurs and what does that look like in real estate? I mean, they've just got a different standard level in most areas, whether it's their dress code or their, you know, their listing presentation document or their vendor reports or um, just, I don't know, John, even their, their, even when you walk into their open for inspections, you realise, hey, that's a professional open house, that's an amateur open house. Um, you know, their mm. pre-listing kits, their social medias, they, they just seem to have a different standard. When you talk about, John, going pro, an amateur to a pro, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so look, again, the three levers in real estate, prospect, list, sell. And if each of those, you unpack them and you sort of double-click on prospecting, listing, selling, they each have a number of elements that actually make up what, what is a listing and what, what is a open home and what's an auction look like. And so for me, it's a matter of having extreme standards in those areas that go towards making up. So a listing presentation. Phil Harris, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we mentioned last week on the podcast, but at the Adelaide session, he said, you know, we've, we've got a standard that says there are six touch points between when you speak with someone and you go and meet them at the listing to make us, stamp us a professional. And from memory, the first one was we asked them five questions about their property and their property goals. Then he said we send a calendar invite, you know, that confirms the time. We then send an SMS confirmation. Then he said, you know, the morning of the, uh, of the meeting, we send another SMS and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so that's just a great little snapshot and vignette of what a professional does. The professional says, what would it take for me to make 
Tom, as a potential seller, feels that he's in the hands of an expert, what are the little things? Because generally they are little things because most agents, if you squint, they kind of do a similar thing and they, they all turn up probably on time and they all have a bit of a chat and they've normally, most of them have got a nice personality. So it's really about breaking it down and saying, what are the little one percenters that I can do, not once or twice, but consistently and habitually to separate myself from the pack? Most agents that I come across, and if I'm sort of talking to people in coaching, to be quite frank, without being rude, because most of our listeners are not in this category, and, and I know your gym members certainly aren't, but they're amateurs. They don't have a clear plan on prospecting. I say, what's your prospecting plan? They say, 1,000 DL cards whenever I'm short on listings. Well, Man, that's amateur hour. That's amateur hour. So, you know, a, a prospecting plan would be I have six or seven layers of prospecting. I do them every day. I mean, Mike Dowling, you know, that we've just spoken about, he did three hours. I thought it was two, but he told me last week, <clears throat> Peter Gilchrist said to him when he wasn't kicking too many goals, when Mike wasn't, he said, you got to do three hours of prospecting every day. So he said from 8.30 to 11.30 every morning, block out your diary and do prospecting. And he just, and he did it. Now, we're saying that now. A lot of people aren't prospecting and they're hearing it, but he did it and he did it for three years and it got his business into momentum. So I think it's just a matter of committing to high standards, creating a routine and a rhythm um, to make sure that these things can be rolled out seamlessly, consistently, every time. And open home inspection, Wayne Vaughan, Wayne and Tina Vaughan, you know, two of our top agents for the last two decades, they run the best open homes in the country. If you want to go and see a class act uh, team there, go to the Vaughan's open homes. You walk in and you can just tell this guy's in control. He looks a million dollars, so does Tina. Um, you know, the layout of everything they need. They've got all the information there. And I'm sure other agents are now doing this, but I just happen to know that they're probably the best I've seen in 20 years. And they, they are just class act when it comes to that and, and many other things. So the question is, are you prepared to lift your standards to be exemplary? And are you prepared to create systems to wrap around them so it doesn't happen once or twice or most of the time? It happens every single time and that's when i know i'm in the hands of a professional when they look great when it sounds great when all the systems are working t's are crossed i's are dot and and you've just i mean most people kind of know the difference between great okay and poor they just don't do it some people you know they seem to have trouble actually working out what what is greatness and what's not but i think for most people you just got to put the effort in and create systems tom yeah, when I talk, you know, when we talk about uh, uh, pros versus amateurs, the first thing I think of is uh, a conversation I heard. I think it was Anthony Robbins. He says um, the pros take their shoulds and make them musts. It's you know, yeah. it's, it's 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 a different line of thinking. And I go through the experience. What was that optometrist you referred to me, John? What was his name? Mike, Michael Angelis. Okay, so I want to talk. I want to talk about. So I've been to an optometrist two times in five years. The the first one was. Uh, Locally, I walked in, uh, uh, the optometrist was out. There looked like there was someone that was a, an assistant that had only just started working and said, oh, look, I'm not sure he's, he's gone to lunch. I'm not sure. Maybe pop back in another hour, you know, and I thought, okay, well, anyway, we just left it at that, never got the glasses. Then I ran into you that day. We were in Surrey Hills. So I go see uh, Michael. You know, there's, firstly, there's a text message that comes that says, looking forward to seeing you. Then there's a second text message that seems to be one that's got the appointment in there. I get there. I, greet, I get greeted beautifully by the staff at the start, mm -hmm. have this great conversation. 
Um, he says to me, by the way, you're actually, we're going to have, you're going to walk away with your glasses today. We're, we're actually going to get it all sorted, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, like every bit of the process was a little bit better, right? Every little bit yeah. of the process. Um, you know, afterwards, I'm sure that it's a process-driven operation. Afterwards, you know, I've got a, a, a very nice text message that afternoon and, and John, it's just um, you know that when you say you experience it, it doesn't matter whether it's an optometrist, a real estate agent, a, a loan broker. We get a lot of mortgage brokers listening to us. What it seems is every part, the little things are a little bit better, and the combination of those little things in combination, not in isolation, create this feeling to someone: Hey, this guy's a pro. This girl's mm. a pro. They're better. You know, yeah, and, and Tommy, you know, this is a you know, I often say this is a binary industry you either get 100% of the fee or you get zero, you don't get a silver medal and half the fee, you actually get it all. So, the difference by being one, two, three, five, ten percent better is a hundred percent change in your outcome financially. So, it's worth getting the little things and it's about stacking them on top. And another thing, Tony Robbins said, you know, you, you, that was a great quote. You just said, should to must. But he also said the fastest way to change your life is raise your standards. Yes. And 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 people say, what is that? Which ones? And it's like, well, all of them. All your standards regarding what time you get up, your standards about how you present yourself, your standards regarding preparing for a listing presentation or an optometry appointment. It doesn't matter who you are listening to it. i got to tell you a quick little thing there. He, I ran into Michael Ansley. I said he, he, he was at a little uh, cafe in Paddington, uh, in Lisbeth Street, Paddington, and I was chatting to him and he said, oh, how's Tom? You know, he said, oh, I really enjoyed meeting him. And, and he said, he's a legend. He said, mate, I've been listening to him for ages. <laughs> I couldn't believe. So we've even got optometrists listening to us, <laughs> Tommy. You, yeah, you mean, yeah. We want to- your Sunday night yeah. rant, it was actually, no, it wasn't us. It was actually your Sunday night rant to be accurate. But I know Chris Beer, you know, who's the CEO and founder of George and Matilda. Shout out if Chris is listening, but he loves listening to it. But it is, it is, it's great. Now it's great credit to you that so many people from a variety of different fields actually love that Sunday night. They've just, so tell me, sixty minutes ratings have plummeted because you've uh, taken yeah. the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I, I get worried. I think Channel Nine's going to turn on me, John. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very worried. But can I, you know, as I'm talking to you, you know, it's we're, we're on our Easter break, you know. People are listening to this live. It's on a good Friday. And, you know, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, agents have more time. I've, you know, just talking about Anthony Robbins, I haven't seen it for two, three years, but I'm going to watch a rerun of I'm Not Your Guru by Anthony Robbins. Did you ever Brilliant. see that documentary? Oh, great, great. Fantastic. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Even even though he's been around a long time and he, you know, he's he can be pretty full on. I still think he's 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 reinvented himself and he's made himself very relevant because John, don't forget, he was out and about when you had, you know, like I remember he was around when Jim Ryan was around and when Brian Tracy was around, right? He's much mm. younger. But he was around because he started at a young age in the personal development space, but he's reinvented himself and um, he seems to never disappear. He's always there. And, you know, what he says, I mean, look, it makes sense. And um, I'm going to I'm going to watch uh, watch that. Have you been have you watched anything or been reading anything good at the moment? Give any people suggestions over this three or four day break. By, by far, though, I might have mentioned it to you. The best thing I've watched recently is a series called uh, Your Honor. Uh, I think I did yes. mention when you and I yes, we had dinner at that Japanese. Well, isn't that incredible? I thought you watched it. I think when you had your last treatment, 
Um, yes. Th- that's just like, that's riveting, riveting stuff. So uh, that was, but I, I've got to say, I'm like, you. Yeah, I love documentaries and uh, I'm not your guru, I think is, is isn't it? Uh, that was just tremendous oh, to get. That, the, I, your Honour, I was sitting, John, every two, three days, I just go back to Netflix because you, you don't know when they're going to put that new episode on there. So you go, go back there like a crack addict saying, have they put it up there? They're very, John, I think I think they're very good. The Stan and Netflix, the way that they produce these docuseries and they drop one each week, it's just really changed the way that people consume content. But, John, it is Easter I'm going to wish all our listeners have a great uh, three or four days recharging, you know, resting, doing what you have to do, John. I will see you next week. And, um, yeah, looking forward to talking about the one thing. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Talk to you then, Tommy. Bye.